Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steffi, and got a special guest for this week's pod. I believe the first Hall of Famer to be on the pod. It's Hall of Famer and ESPN women's basketball analyst, Rebecca Lobo. Rebecca, thanks for joining me. Hawk Off the Press, huh? First Hall of Famer. I love it. Thanks for having me, John. Absolutely. I think that's like going to be your new title now. So... <laughs> No, the first one, but let's talk Caitlin Clark. So <laughs> you've obviously seen a lot of basketball, probably more so than anybody tuning into this podcast, whether it's in studio, on site, watching film, what stands out to you the most about Caitlin Clark? Um, I mean, I think it's the same thing that stands out to everybody else. And that's just her explosiveness on the offensive end of the floor. Um, you know, I, I don't remember ever seeing a women's player have the kind of range that she has on her jump shot. I did a, an Iowa game earlier this season when they were at Duke and uh, a lot of teams at the end of their shoot arounds um, on the day of the game will take half court shots and Iowa is one of those teams. And, um, you know, people generally dribble up to the line and heave a shot up and, uh, hers is like a jump shot <laughs> even from half court. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, she really is an exciting, exciting player to watch, um, at the offensive end of the floor. I was thinking about that last night. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching their, their game against Maryland on Monday night. And, um, and they get down big and she's kind of struggling to score, trying to st struggling to, to, to find the rhythm offensively. You're like, yeah, even when I was down double digits, you'll tune in because you have no idea what Caitlin Clark might do. We saw that at the end of the Michigan game when she just exploded in the fourth quarter. So um, she's, she's exciting. She's a little bit different than what we have seen in the past again, because of her range um, and the leash, you know, you know, talk about short leashes and long leashes. She doesn't have a leash, you know, coach, coach Bluter knows that she's a special talent and kind of lets her go out there and do her thing. Um, trusting that most of the time she's going to make the right decision. So um, I, I don't know that we've ever seen a player on the women's side quite like her. On the men's side, do you even see a comparison? <laughs> like, is it Steph Curry or Steph Curry? I don't even know if he could do some of those things. Yeah, well, well it's interesting because, of course, you know, Steph Curry is the one you think of with, with the range in terms of how deep you can take a jump shot. Um, you know, Caitlin Clark leading the nation in scoring and assists. No woman has ever done that. And uh, the only male player who's done that, at least in recent memory, is Trey Young. Um, so, you know, maybe their game isn't exactly a comparison, but they're at least players who could score at a high clip while at the same time assisting at a high clip. But uh, yeah, like I, I have the fortune to work the WNBA draft. And, you know, usually when you're going into a draft, you're thinking of a comps for a player, you know, and, um, and when we get, and I always like to go on the women's side, I don't like to find the male comps. I like to find the female comps for, for these college players. And in a couple of years when Caitlin comes out, I don't know that there will be a female comp just because we haven't quite seen someone um, do what she's doing. I mean, it, we've never had a women's player lead the nation in scoring and assists. It's never happened. Um, so she's clearly doing something that's never been done. What's your reaction when you see her take all the logo shots? I think it was two or three, even in just the fourth quarter of that Michigan game alone. Yeah. It, I mean, it's so, it's exciting. It's exciting. You know, you're watching these shots go up and, um, and thinking, I mean, like, you've got to be kidding me. That was a jump shot. And um, how did that go in? And how did, you know, it's not luck. She, <laughs> she does it multiple times in a quarter. Um, but then you kind of expect that 
sometimes every time she comes down the floor, like there are a few moments in the Maryland game that I'm, I was watching and I'm like, she's going to pull up from there. Nope. She's going to dribble off and make the right pass. or She's going to dribble and, and take it into the paint. So after she's hit some of those, you expect her to take more of them. Um, and she doesn't necessarily do that unless she's feeling it and her team needs her to. And, you know, like in that game, they're trying to come back from a deficit to win. Um, but I think it's just like when you see Steph take some of those shots, you're just like, I mean, how is it possible that those go in that, that first the player takes them with such confidence, but then second that, that they go in. And a lot of people have made the comment about her confidence and kind of the swagger. What do you think of kind of that unique swagger? I'm not sure if I've seen, especially at the college level, someone with that much of it. Yeah, I think that's what was most striking, uh, in particular last year as a freshman, um, that she had that. You know, it, it was striking too. I, I was able to call in the NCAA tournament the Sweet 16 game between Iowa and UConn, and you had these two freshmen, and Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers, who um, have tremendous, uh, have have a, have great games. You know, they're both leading their teams. But they have a confidence that you need to have um, when you're when you want to be a champion. And I think that's one of the things that really sticks out. It's one of the things that made and continues to make Diana Taurasi so great. Not only her ability to, to follow through, especially in the big moments, but to have the belief in herself and and. and and a belief that's contagious to your team. Um, you know, you get that sense with Paige, you get that sense um, with Caitlin too. You got it with Diana. Uh, I think you see it in South Carolina as well, although it's, it's a little bit harder with a post player with a Leah Boston for teammates to feed off of that. But I think you do see it there as well, where they just step out on the floor and you believe because you're on the floor with them that you have a chance to win every game because you can just feel um, the confidence that they have in themselves and, and in their teammates. And now this year's Iowa team has had some ups and downs, but Clark being only a sophomore, how far do you think by the time she's done in Iowa city, can these Hawkeyes go postseason wise? Um, you know, that, that, that's the question, right? Um, and, and it, it's something that's uh, interesting to follow. I don't even know this year exactly how it's going to unfold. Uh, you know, I was dealt with injuries like everybody has. Iowa has dealt with pauses because of COVID um, like everybody has. The team right now um, isn't whole. So uh, what, what can they do come tournament time? Um, well, is everybody going to be healthy? Is everybody going to be in their groove? Um, but certainly when you have a piece like Caitlin and kind of a foundational piece, especially as a guard and a ball handler, um, you know, because post players and I was one, uh, you know, we rely on the guard to get you the basketball A player like Caitlin has the basketball in her hands once it's inbounded. Um, so it can have a tremendous impact. Um, you know, you see, you know, who, who, who is she going to be surrounded by and, and could she potentially um, get to the final four by the time she's a senior, you would certainly um, not bet against it. And then you, I believe, had some time to interact with her with that Duke game, right? Yeah, yeah. What was that like? You know, what kind of wisdom did you have for her? Um, I didn't have any wisdom from her <laughs> for her. I, uh, I was just kind of, you know, I, I had a chance to interact with her via Zoom bef bef in her freshman year before we did the Sweet 16 game. But this year um, for the Duke game was the first time I've kind of had a chance to interact with her face to face, not, not Zoom to Zoom. And uh, it was just fun to watching her um, in the shoot around, watching her interact with her teammates, um, you know, just down to earth, good kid. You know, you see that almost universally in women's college basketball 
Um, these players are terrific to deal with. They're they're appreciative of um, when they're playing on television. They they are excited to kind of showcase their talents and um, and you know almost universally they're great teammates. You know that's one of the things we watch when we're when watching a shoot around or watching a practice is how are they interacting with one another? How are they receiving coaching? And um, she was terrific with that. Uh, no surprise. Um, you know most women's players are, but but you know also like you know she's she's a big deal and women's college basketball and it seems like um she's been handling it really really well well that leads perfectly into my next question it's going to be about how she is a really high profile obviously in Iowa but how are you seeing that girl nationally it sounds like she's pretty high up there yeah I mean she has to be like you know there was a lot of talk after uh the Michigan performance just because of the amount of points she scored where she was shooting from uh, even though it was in a loss, uh, people take notice when when a player is consistently making shots <laughs> from the logo. Um, you know, she does something that's a little bit different from what m- almost any other women's player um, is doing this year. Different from what any women's pl- women's player is doing this year. And as I mentioned before, with the scoring and assists, different from what any women's player has ever done in, in the game. So people are taking notice for sure. Um, the more success you have, um, the more, you know, people will, will take note, you know, she, she's in the national player of the year conversation. Aaliyah Boston is the favorite for that. And one of the reasons Aaliyah Boston is the favorite is because she's, um, contributing on the number one team in the country, you know, winning matters. And, um, and so, you know, the more Iowa wins, the farther they go in the tournament, even more um, conversation will happen around Caitlin. But certainly right now she's becoming, if she isn't already a household name for women's basketball fans in this country. Is there anything else she needs to do individually aside from her team winning more? Because like you mentioned the Michigan game where she had that incredible performance. I think Iowa Twitter was blowing up understandably after that game. But in the long run, the team lost at the end of the day. So anything else aside from the winning that she needs to do? Um, I, I, th- I think probably, um, you know, a little bit more consistency and efficiency. You know, again, you point to the last game against Maryland. I think a lot of people were excited to tune in on, on the heels of that Michigan performance and say, all right, uh, show me like, you know, if somebody hadn't seen Caitlin play yet and, um, and she struggled from the floor and, and she turned the ball over, um, you know, I think double digit turnovers in that game. So, um, she has all the tools and as a sophomore, she's going to continue to refine them. She's going to, um, continue to get more efficient. She's going to continue to stay more consistent. And again, it's hard. Her, she's playing on a team that it, it still doesn't have a full roster because of injury. She's out there where Every defense, every team defensively is scheming to limit her. That's priorities one, two, and three when you go against Iowa is to limit Caitlin Clark. Um, so she's going to be fa- facing that challenge night in and night out. Um, but she's not even halfway through her college career um, and is going to figure stuff out. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to improve on the defensive end of the floor, of course. Um, you know, that's going to be continue to be an area of growth for her. When I talked to her earlier in the season, she said one of the things she was really trying to work on and improve, um, especially after a summer playing with USA Basketball, was, um, you know, how good she can be and efficient she could be when she did not have the ball in her hands, what things she could do either to get open or contribute to the team when, when she didn't uh, wasn't actually passing or scoring the ball. Um, but 
she's an improved player from a year ago and it's going to be fun to continue to watch her grow. But, um, but back to that question. Yeah. I think it's going to be, uh, efficiency and, and consistency. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the, her toolkit, as they say, is pretty darn impressive. And, uh, and she just has to, you know, find, um, the rhythm within that. And then specifically with that Maryland game, it seems like Coach Freeze did a pretty good job of limiting her. How much was Caitlin having an off night from what you saw versus what Coach Freeze was doing to particularly kind of limit the damage? I think you have to give Maryland a ton of credit because uh, Caitlin, it's not like she was uh, missing a lot of open looks. Um, Maryland, it, it, and not everybody, not every team can do what Maryland did. Maryland has some interesting personality. They have a lot of size. They have a lot of length. They had multiple players, um, big guards who they could put on her. Diamond Miller being one, Sellers being another. Um, and the way Maryland switches defensively, you know, Caitlin, if she's coming off a of screen against another team, she might have the second to get the step back to get her shot up. Well, Maryland's going to switch that and they're going to come at you. You know, you're going to leave length and, and then they're going to switch and put more length on you. So they were physical with her. They're a team that can do that. Um, so a lot of her struggles in that Maryland game were due to Maryland's defense um, and not there's not a lot of teams who have the personnel and who are built the way Maryland is who can give her those kind of problems. And then um, for the teams that maybe don't have the Maryland personnel, is there anything else you've seen that, you know, if you are a smaller team where you can stop Clark or is it just kind of cross your fingers, say a few prayers? Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do when a kid pulls up from the logo, you know, I thought Marilyn actually did a pretty good job of meeting her way out there. Um, one of the things teams can do because you want to slow Iowa down, you want to keep them out of transition. And the best way to do that is to score on your end is to take care of the basketball score, make them take it out. So it's harder for them to push it down your throat, going the other way. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, smaller defenders uh, are going to have a hard, hard, harder time with her um, or slower defenders are going to have a hard time. So it's, um, you know, it's, there's a reason she's putting up the numbers she's putting up. There's a reason she struggled against Maryland in particular, not very few teams have the personnel and the ability to do what Maryland did and, um, and defensively. And, and that's why, you know, Caitlin's leading the nation in scoring and assists. Do you think this should be a concern for Iowa going into Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan? I don't think I'm forgetting anyone else before Indy. Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan, uh, you know, Rutgers is a really good defensive team. They'll put a lot of pressure on you. So the turnovers um, would be a concern. They don't necessarily have the, the same type of personnel defensively that Maryland does, but, um, but Rutgers will, will make things difficult. They will make things a challenge on the defensive um, end of the floor. Indiana is a completely different personnel for Maryland. Um, they're a terrific defensive team. They will have a great game plan. They will make things difficult. Um, but they are also without their leading score uh, and rebounder. Um, Holmes is still out with her injury. And then um, Michigan is another team that's very different from Maryland. They are physical and they will be physical with Caitlin. They'll be physical with Iowa, but they don't necessarily have the length and athleticism that Maryland does. So every team in the Big Ten is going to be different. Every team is going to be a challenge. But the one thing that's going to be the same is every team is going to be keyed in on Caitlin. And uh, whether it's, you know, a team running size at you or double teams and, you know, especially in particular, when you're going against Michigan, they have the hard hedge and you got a post player who's pushing you out even deeper on all on ball screens. Um, 
it'll be a challenge, but it's uh, but no matter what, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. The big 10 has been really, really fun to watch this year. I was um, one of the many teams that's uh, that's been really exciting um, to keep track of. And then any keys for kind of Iowa as a whole, do you think going into this final stretch last four games of regular season and then big 10 tournament? Yeah, get healthy and get whole. I think that's a, a big key for any team that is trying to um, be on the ascent come March is get all of your pieces back. Um, you know, you want to make sure uh, Sonano doesn't get into foul trouble. Um, she was a real bright spot for Iowa against Maryland, and, and she's been a bright spot all year, you know, third in the nation in field goal percentage, but um, limited a little bit with foul trouble. Um, bench has been pretty good for Iowa. Um, but I think the biggest thing is as teams continue to, um, you know, refine what they're doing uh, as as we get towards March and get towards conference and NCAA tournament is uh, getting healthy. You know, it's, it's, we talk about it every year in the WNBA, like, you know, which team has the edge come the playoffs? And the answer is almost always the team that's the healthiest and the team that has a little bit of rest. And I think you're seeing that a little bit in women's college basketball as well, especially this year um, with COVID pauses and everything else, you know, teams that are getting their groove that are they're finding their footing but are getting healthy too is uh, such a huge huge piece of success and then do you think at this point a top four seed is possible for top four in terms of each region so top 16 overall seed within reach for the Hawkeyes I mean the, the it, According to Charlie Cream, our bracketologist, it is within reach. It's a tough schedule, as you just mentioned, even just to finish out the regular season. Uh, Indiana, Michigan, it's great that you have those opportunities against the, the top tier in your conference. It's also a challenge, um, you know, if you're, you know, trying to get wins to, to make your resume even more appealing to the selection committee come March. But um, I know all the fans out in Iowa would love to host a home <laughs> game. It's definitely within the realm of possibility, uh, you know, and, and Iowa has kind of its own fate in its hands. It's just a matter of um, can they get the wins necessary to do it? And then looking a couple of years down the road, probably two years down the road, I guess technically it could be three with the extra COVID year. How do you see Caitlin Clark's skills translating to the next level? They'll translate. <laughs> anytime there wasn't you, much doubt in that yeah, one. Yeah, anytime you can you can score the way she can score in 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 the in the ways that she can, she's terrific in on ball screens. And the WNBA um, puts a premium on on ball screens. You need to be really good in an on ball screen um, as a guard, and, and she's terrific. Not only scoring, but also delivering the ball. Uh, you know, she gets so much attention. Caitlin gets so much attention because of her ability to score, um, but her facilitating is really really high level. You know, even in the Maryland game with the turnovers, um, she made some pretty great passes and has a great connection um, with her big inside uh you know that's an interesting thing like if she stays four years if Paige Becker stays four years and they come out at the same time you know um who goes one who goes two uh they're 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 both going to be um going to be great pros they've had great success um in USA basketball which is always a good indicator of kind of how you play um with other really high level talent but um yeah without without question her her game um, is going to translate. She, she reminds me um, in some ways of, of Sue Bird, um, but with much, much deeper range. <laughs> <laughs> well, that even aside from that last add-on, that's pretty good company to be in. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, that's pretty that, elite company. <laughs> 
And you were mentioning the facilitating there. I think it was the Penn State game was the 18 assists that, you know, a whole nother side of her game. If there's one area that you think she needs to develop more in before two, three years down the road from now, what would you say that is? Uh, maybe defensively, you know, um, her, her offensive game, she's got so much. And you have to remember, too, like what's going to be interesting when she gets to the next level is that um, teams won't be able to game plan with three defenders against Caitlin. You know, depending on where she goes, she's going to be surrounded potentially by four other players who can really score. So even if you double team her, you, you know, with her assists that that she's very capable of finding the open player and delivering the pass when it needs to be delivered. Um, so, you know, I think defensively, it'll be a challenge for her at the next level. Um, but it's a challenge for every player coming out of college in particular guards. No, I guess <laughs> post too. It's a challenge for every player um, defensively when they get to the WNBA. But uh, on the offensive end, she is going to pose a lot of challenges um, for the teams that she faces. Well, thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you. Keep uh, keep covering women's hoops. We love it. For the women's hoops fans tuning in, you'll be hearing from me more in a few weeks. I will be in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament. Really looking forward to it. As Rebecca and I were talking about, it's a great year for the Big Ten. So before then, I will have another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. Probably not with a Hall of Famer again in back-to-back weeks. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but should have another good episode next week. Until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.